0: Welcome to the Message Podcast for Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe for updates and new episodes. You can also search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and TuneIn. Make sure you join us each Sunday at 9 a.m. on Facebook Live. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have a campus near Harrisonburg at 1871 Boyers Road and a new campus in East Rockingham at 414 Southeast Side Highway in Elkdale. In addition, at our Harrisonburg campus, we have a Spanish campus that meets on Sundays at 1145 a.m. Check out our website, cotnaz.org, for more information. Well, good morning, East Rock family. I'm like the uncle or a estranged relative that you didn't know you had. Maybe you didn't know you wanted. Maybe you still don't know if you want him, but here he is uh, coming to family dinner, I guess. That's the best analogy. Maybe I'm hungry, uh, but my name is Adrian, and I have the privilege of getting to be the lead pastor at Church of the Nazarene. Uh, some of you, I got to introduce myself this morning like, yeah, you're the guy on the screen, we know. Okay, thanks. Uh, I think, I, I don't know if I'm better looking on the screen or in person, and please don't tell me either, probably. just. Uh, but I, I had the privilege of being with you this morning, and uh, Jared and I did something we don't get to do very often because we like being uh, where, where God has placed us, and so I love that, that Jared gets to be with you, but we've swapped today. So uh, last time I sent him to Harrisonburg, uh, we were doing an outside service and it rained. He literally preached with an umbrella to cars. So he was not real happy with me. So I, I, think, I think today we're going to do better. It's all inside for him. Uh, but, but if you are new or visiting, I'm not Jared. And Jared is way cooler. He's a way better fisherman. Um, so you should come back next week. Don't judge anything that's happening today based on me. I'm, I'm just the guy that's going to show up. And uh, Jared has, has maybe reluctantly handed me the keys, and I'm going to try not to wreck it. I'll keep it on the road today. Uh, but, but I am uh, the husband to Lauren and the father to Reese and Camden and Jackson and Glory. So my oldest is a freshman. My youngest is four and in pre-K and then everywhere in between. And I, I tell you that a little bit about my family because that's who I am and my people that I love. But being a father, now not everybody in here is a parent, and I get that, so just you know, maybe you can relate to this, maybe you can't, but being a father is uh, the most incredible thing that I get to do, but it is also the most incredibly challenging thing that I get to do. Uh, some of you will get blessed just by that statement, I bet. I mean, I love I love getting to be a, a husband, of course, but a father, uh, just an incredible, I mean, there, there are moments where I'm just blown away, God, wow, you, you let me, <laughs> you, you think I, I could do that, wow, like I'm blown away by that, but then there's moments uh, where I'm just going to be honest that being a father to four kids, it feels a little bit like you're a hostage negotiator. I'm just going to be honest. But, like, just want to get everybody out alive. That's what it feels like. Like, She said this. He said this. You go there. You do this. Like, If you just stay in your room for five, I, you know, I, I'm joking a little bit, but it feels a little bit like that. And I'm going to be honest. There's moments with my kids where I get really frustrated, even angry, and I, it, sometimes it'll look – I don't know what it looks like for you in the context of, of your family or uh, maybe you get mad at your dog a lot. I don't know. But, but something in context – for me, it's something like this. I just hit that moment where I just give this kind of exasperated like, ah, and like walk out of the room for a minute. You know, I'm just like, I, I need a minute. I, I, I just – this is too much for me. Uh, sometimes I, I yell. I probably yell more than I would even like want to lead on. But, yeah, I, I lose my cool enough where I, I yell – I get really frustrated. So there's times where I have to come back, come back to my kids and just say, man, you know, you guys were driving me crazy. I don't know what you're eating today or what's gotten into you, but I, I'm sorry I got angry. I shouldn't, have, I shouldn't have lost my cool like that. Or there's times I've had to come to me like, look, I, I got mad, but I'm going to be honest with you. There's some other stuff I was stressed about and I took it out on you and I just, sh- I, I have to apologize. I have to say, man, will you forgive me? For getting angry. These people in my life that I love more than anything, where it's such a joy to get to be a father, they're also a, a source at times of <laughs> incredible stress and, yeah, e- even anger. Today, today, I wonder when's the last time that you got really angry? That's where we're gonna be today in our text. Uh, y- you already know that we're in James chapter one if you've been hanging out with us here at, at the East Rock campus. And if you are new, we are in the midst of something that's really different for us. Um, we are camping out in one book, one passage of, of scripture um, for, for a long period of time, and we are doing that across our campuses for a specific reason. We believe God's called us. He, he's stretching us. He's challenging us in a world where um, our attention span is like 28 seconds long. I think that's like almost exactly uh, what our attention span is, and probably even worse the, the younger you are. Uh, we are intentionally challenging that a little bit where we we like to turn to the next topic and the next idea and the next focus we're camping out in the book of James, and it's been really rich for me. Uh, it, it's been a, a really cool journey for Jared and I as we've studied and prepared. And so today, we're going to be in the book of James. So I'm to invite you. Would you would you join me there in James chapter 1? Even if you haven't been able to be with us over the last couple of weeks, I promise you're going you're to gonna want to lean in and uh, catch on to what uh, the message is for us today. We're going to be reading just a couple verses. We're going to be starting in verse 19. 19 of James chapter 1. And let me set a little bit of context because I know uh, so many of you have been here week after week, but, but this is a James, the brother of Jesus, this is, is somebody who was an eyewitness to the life and ministry and the messiness. I just talked about my family and how family is messy. Can you imagine, can you imagine your brother is Jesus, right? Can imagine kind of the behind the scene footage you get on. I wasn't just there when he turned water into wine. I smelled his body odor, you know. I, was like, I mean, he got the front-row view, better or worse, right, to the life and ministry of Jesus. And after Jesus' uh, death and resurrection, he was transformed, and so we're getting kind of this beautiful. These are the first written words that we have recorded after the death and resurrection of Jesus, and so because of that, we're leaning in. Uh, we've been doing something a little bit different in the Harrisonburg campus. So because I'm I'm here and I'm not there, I'm gonna I'm gonna. Things a little bit different for you. I'm going to invite you, would you join me? We're going to stand for a minute for the reading of God's word. Uh, We don't have to stand for the reading of his word, uh, but I think sometimes our our posture uh, can uh, be a meaningful part of our worship. And so I know you were just standing as we sang. I'm going to invite you to just stand for a minute for the reading of God's word. Uh, This is James 1, starting in verse 19. And it says this My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen. Slow to speak and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Would you pray with me this morning? God, we believe this is your word for us today these words are written thousands of years ago to to believers to men and women that were scattered that were being persecuted because they dared to proclaim the name of Jesus and yet now through the power of your word which is alive and active and speaking we get to read these words we get to lean in and understand the truth that you would have for us in 2021 So thank you for for practical, life-giving wisdom that we desperately need. Maybe it's not the wisdom that we wanted today, but I believe this is the wisdom that we need for such a time as this. So open our eyes and open our ears and open our hearts. God, we don't want to just be hearers of the word. We want to be transformed by your truth, by your power. May every person in the sound of my voice today find incredible hope today because of your word alive in us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Uh, thanks for standing today for the reading of God's word. Uh, we, we all get angry, right? <laughs> I gave you a little bit of, of the context of what it looks like for me. Uh, we, we all get angry. So maybe, maybe it's like this. Maybe you're driving down the road. That's all I need to say for some of you. <laughs> you're like, oh, angry, driving. I get it. Uh, no, no, no. Maybe you're driving down the road, right? And a person kind of cuts you off. And there's these little things, they're called turn signals. I think for some, they don't put them in some cars, I guess, or some people just do it. They, they skip that part of it. They didn't even use a signal. They just cut you off in front of you. And your immediate thought is, Lord, bless that person, I pray your richest mercy and great. No! It's like, ah, right? It's like, you, I don't know, something in you happens, right? Or, or uh, you're, you're driving and you're kind of in a hurry. You know, I don't know where you're going. We're always in a hurry. When are you not driving in your? Hurry? But you're kind of in a hurry, and someone has the audacity to be in the left lane, and they're driving the speed limit. Can you imagine that being in the left lane? They are driving the speed limit that's posted, and you're losing your. mind. I've got to go get out. What are you? What are you doing? This is not your lane. The speed limit people go in the other lane. This is the lane for the people that need to get where they're going. Or, or. <laughs> Maybe you're driving and someone else in the vehicle with you is telling you how to drive. I can resonate with that one a little bit. We have a lot of anger with our driving, don't we? I just, uh, these are the examples that came to mind. But We have a lot of instances in our life right now where we see that anger is powerful emotion, isn't it? We, we might be able to say it's the most powerful emotion. We, it has become, I was talking to, to someone before the service, it's become a, a motivator really for us. Anger has become a powerful motivator and a destructive force. L- look right now at the thousands of reasons, <laughs> the thousands of reasons that we have today to be angry. Maybe you're angry about, about COVID, uh, about the last two years and pandemic and all that has meant. Maybe you're angry about politics or division or injustice. Maybe you're angry about sin in your own life and the others, and you're frustrated and you're angry about what's happening in you and around you. I, I feel like there's this mantra that, you know, I see it like on social media. Sometimes I feel like it's just whoever is yelling the loudest is the one that's, everyone's just yelling, it feels like at times. And whoever's yelling the loudest must be the one that's in charge. That's how it feels like anger, anger, this powerful motivator It's even become an effective marketing tool. That, that if you can, can lean into this, this anger, this underlying anger that people feel, then you can get them to vote or, or, or buy or consume or guide their decisions in such a way. And I'm going to be honest, I'm not even aware of it often. Anger, anger. So, so what do we do about it? Well, for us, for us, let's start, let's start with James. Let's start with James. James is writing, James is writing to men and women who would, who would be angry. I think it's important. Sometimes we read this and we just think James was like sitting there and writing. He's like, oh, what are we going to talk about now? anger let's do that no 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 no. understand the context of who he's writing to he's writing to men and women who after the death and resurrection of jesus have chosen to say not caesar is lord that would be that would kind of be the mantra of the day that caesar is lord no 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 they're saying jesus is lord and so with that came persecution with that comes a lot of resistance with that becomes that they're literally being scattered from their homes being dragged out and thrown in prison some of them have lost their lives and so these these are men and women that have maybe a lot of reason to be angry. Wait, wait, wait. We, we're following the way of Jesus, and now look at what's happening to us. Look at all that we've lost. Look at all that. that We, we, we didn't deserve this, right? And so James is writing to men and women who would understand and even feel justified in being angry. So it's important to understand that context as we read. And so, because of that, they were in difficult situations. Listen, they were poor. They were frustrated. They were oppressed. They were Some of them were far from home. And, and many of them would be lashing out in anger. That would be the typical or even justified response. Why are we going through this when we've committed our lives to the one who raised the dead? We don't understand. We don't understand. That would be the anger That they would be feeling. So, in the midst of all of that, what does it say here in James 1? It says three things, right? Be quick to listen. Be quick to listen. Literally, the Greek word there, it means hurry up and listen. (laughs) Isn't that an awesome idea? Think about that. Think about that in your life, in the context of whatever, whoever at work or in your home or in your family. Hurry up and listen. I love that idea. So, be quick to listen. In a season where you're frustrated and confused, choose a posture of listening. Listening. Next, uh, be quick to listen. Be slow to speak. Delay your speaking. Choose your words wisely. Don't rush To, to say all the things that you're thinking and feeling. There's great power in the ability to shut your mouth. Think about that for a minute. Maybe don't say that to the person sitting next to you that might not get a very comfortable ride home today, but so seriously, there's power sometimes in the ability to not say the words and thoughts that are coming to your brain. Finally, again, this wisdom we've talked about this throughout the series that James, it's like the wisdom of proverbs in New Testament clothing, right? Dressed up in New Testament clothing. So be quick to listen, hurry up and listen. Slow to speak and slow to become angry, not a quick fuse, not an instant rush to reaction. We know that anger, right, in and of itself isn't wrong, right? But, but James makes an important distinction here. So let's look back, look back on the text, and, and I've got it here on the screen, right? What does he say in verse 20? Human anger. There is a, a righteous anger. We'll talk about this in a minute. Jesus shows us some of that, but but listen, James is wanting to be really clear what he's talking about here, that we're supposed to be what quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry because human anger, human anger, uh, what is it talking about here? Literally, this is, uh, in the Greek, this word for anger is uncontrolled rage, passionate rage. This is... Not, this is a picture of, of, of just something that is controlling us. Human anger, human anger, James 1 is, is saying, does not. It, it does not produce God's best in you. When we allow it to take root, when we allow it to, to be released from within us, that, that, that form of anger, human anger, it's not going to produce God's best for you. It becomes this driving force. It leads us to think differently, act differently, respond. It literally is controlling us. Look, I don't have to tell you this, but numerous studies have showed us this, that anger, it causes stress hormones to release in the body. So so as we're getting angry, there's all kinds of things happening within us physically. Uh, It weakens the immune system, uh, and it destroys neurons in our brain. Literally, when you get angry, there are neurons in your brain that are being destroyed, that are being broken down. Anger also, what it does, it fires up the body's kind of fight or flight system, its response system, which studies have shown, It causes this burst of energy, but literally what it's doing is it's tightening blood vessels. It's causing your blood pressure to soar. It's tied, anger is tied to an increased risk of heart disease and heart attack. So not only does anger not produce God's best for our souls and our minds and our hearts, it's literally hurting us, it's literally killing us. That's what anger does. Human anger never helps you. It always hurts you. Always. So, if, if anger is not our response, if that's not the right response for us, then what is? What is? What if If human anger isn't going to produce the righteousness of God in us, it's not going to produce his best, what will? What will? What does it say in James 1? It says, so, so. Get rid of moral filth and the evil and the evil that's so prevalent among you. Get rid of all the moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. So James makes an immediate and direct connection, one that should make us a little bit uncomfortable. Because it's the connection between anger and evil. <laughs> anger and evil. In other words, anger does not produce God's righteousness. What does it produce? It produces in us literally filth. That's what it produces in us. Human anger. What what is the fruit? Uh, We all in our lives, we're producing fruit, right? So what is the fruit of a life filled with anger? It's literally filth. It's rotten fruit. And so the antidote for anger, what is it? Get rid of the filth. Get rid of the filth and the evil that's so prevalent around It's everywhere around you. It's easy to consume that and, and partake of that. And partake, but you've got you to get rid of that and then, and then humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. We're going to break that down one bit at a time here. Uh, don't miss the first word in that, humbly. It's, it's not just kind of a, a throwaway adjective. In fact, I, I believe today. If you're tracking, if you're leaning in, if you're if you're challenged by this word on anger, I believe this actually might be the word, the most important word that James shares: uh, humility, humbly, humbly. Don't rush past that. Maybe in, in your copy of scripture, underline it or highlight it because the posture of humility is so important in our journey. If if we're living in a world where anger is so prevalent, maybe one of the antidotes for anger in our lives is this idea of. Humility. Humility. What's the, what's the opposite of humility? I don't have to tell you that's pride, right? It's pride. It's, it's being prideful. And, and pride, pride uh, is a posture that will not help us respond in obedience. Pride tells us, I can do it on my own. I've got this. I don't need your help. I don't need God's help. And it's about me. It's about what I can do. And, and that posture will not help us. We, we need a posture of humility. So, so what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to humbly, with humility, what are we supposed to do? Accept. Accept the word. As we humble ourselves, we admit, God, I need your presence here. I need your word here. I I need your truth. And accepting here, it means more than just kind of acknowledging. It means to allow the word to have its intended impact on our lives. James is always seeing the gospel through the lens of action. So for James, accepting the word means doing the word. So, So humbling ourselves enough to admit that we are angry. To admit maybe we are out of control. To maybe admit that we can't do this on our own. We can't just kind of self-manage and self-medicate these emotions deep within us. And as we humble ourselves, we're able to accept the word. But we allow the word to accomplish its purpose. that, That we're doing the word. Don't act upon your anger. Instead, act upon the word. Let me say that again. Don't act upon your anger. Act. Act upon the word. Why? Because we're supposed to humbly accept the word, which is, what does it say next? Planted in you. Get the visual here. We, we don't allow anger to be planted within us, right? That doesn't produce any, literally, what is that producing? Filth. So instead of allowing anger to be planted within us, we allow God's word to be, as we humble ourselves, we, we allow that word, that truth to take root, to sink deep. Uh, This is a Jewish audience that James is writing to, right? So so they would have understood the Old Testament prophecies. In in Jeremiah 31, God promises, I will put my law in their minds, and I will write it on their hearts. And it's that kind of context that James is writing here, that we humble ourselves enough to to accept the word, doing the word, and allow it to be planted, written on our hearts, as Jeremiah would say it. Finally, what, what does this last phrase say? Which can save you. So, so we're, we're to what? Humbly, humbly, humble ourselves enough to, to accept the word that should be planted within us, which will produce, uh, anger will not produce the righteousness of God, it produces filth. But when we humble ourselves enough to accept his word planted within us, what will happen? It can save you. It can save you. And James, again, he's writing to believers. So he's not just referring to their salvation. Many of them have experienced that kind of saving. He's he's writing, literally, the salvation is the deliverance from sin and death, even in the final days. That this word planted in you can save you, save your soul, can deliver you from sin here and now. I wonder, uh, I asked you at the beginning, when's the last time you've gotten really angry? I was thinking about this. I was thinking about what about the time in your life? What about the time in your life where someone really, really hurt you? Not not physically necessarily, but I mean they broke your trust. Someone that you loved? Someone that you uh, trusted? um, Someone that you confided in and Whatever happened there, I'm not, I'm not trying to drum up all the emotion, but they hurt you. They really, they really, they really broke your trust. And there's all kinds of feelings and emotions in, in that, but, but how do you respond? I, I'll tell you how I can respond in that when I think about the times in my life where even in ministry, I, I felt like I loved somebody. I felt like I showed up for them. I felt like I invested a lot in them, and then they, they really they hurt me. They really hurt me. Things that they said to me or about me, it hurt. How do you respond? I'll tell you. I'll tell you in my human nature how I want to respond in that. It's anger. And it's not some kind of righteous anger. No, no, no. It's, it's kind of this uncontrolled rage. It's, 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 it, you wouldn't see it. I'm not walking around kicking everything. But it's right beneath the surface. And it impacts every interaction I have. I'm short with my kids. I'm defensive with my wife. I can't focus. Why? Because people don't even realize it. Maybe I don't even realize it. Beneath the surface, I'm I'm fuming. I'm enraged. I'm angry. But what if? What if? I know it's just challenging. But what if we could change our posture? And in the midst of that, what does it mean to humbly accept the word? What does it mean in the midst of that where I feel justified in my anger? Look at what they did to me. I have a right to be angry, right? What does it mean instead to humble myself in that moment? Humble myself, and what if, what if in that situation, rather than rather than playing the tape in my mind of all the reasons why they deserve and all the reasons, they, what if I stopped and said, "Wow, but but, God, I wonder how many times you could feel that way about me." That's humility for me. Humbling myself enough to to realize, wait, wait, man, I. I I bet there's other people that could feel that way about me, the times that I've broken their trust, the time I've let them down. What would it mean in that moment when we hit pause on, and again, all the justifiable feelings that we have, what would it mean to hit pause and instead of accepting all of the emotions and the feelings and the things that my brain is telling me to do? Well, you should, well, you better write something on social media about that. You better text them. You better tell everybody, you know. Right, what if I hit pause on that? I humble myself enough to accept the word. What what does God's word say about this in this situation? What does does God's truth say about them, about me? That they are dearly loved, that his grace is sufficient. That that if there were a hundred sheep and one of them was lost, his heart, we just sang about it, is to go after the one that was. So so what would it mean to pause on all of the things that are stewing inside of me and say, wait, 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 God, what does your word say right now about me? About them? Uh, what is true right now, according to your word, about this situation? To humble myself enough to accept the word that is planted in you, which, which, what, can, can save me? Because what is the fruit? What is the fruit of allowing that anger, that seething just beneath the surface? What's the fruit of that in my life? It's just filth. Fighting with my kids or my family, angry about things, stressed out, my blood pressure. through. It. Well, what is that going to produce in my life? Nothing. Nothing that resembles the righteousness of God. What about you? What about times, maybe an example in your life of someone that you've failed, that you've let others down? And maybe you're angry, and maybe you're not angry at them. Maybe you're angry at yourself. You're angry because you just messed up. And, and, and you've just, there's sin, there's, there's stuff from the past that keeps coming up, and other people keep bringing it up, and you're just, you're angry. And maybe you wouldn't have come in the room saying, I'm angry today. But it's there, right beneath the surface. In the moment something doesn't go right, in the moment a circumstance doesn't go, that anger is right there at the surface, and you know it. What does it mean in that moment? Rather than, rather than buying into to all of the things that you, I'm just worthless. I can never be good enough. I'm ashamed. God can never forgive me. Other people will never forget. It. I'll always be, a, all the things that we say over and over and over again in our mind, what would it mean to hit pause on that and say, I'm going to humbly, I'm going to humbly, I'm going to lay down my pride. I'm going to humbly accept the word. What does God's word say about me right now? If I've repented of that, if I've said that's the past God and I want to turn, what does God's word say about me right now? What is true according to God? All of these things I'm thinking about myself, I don't think that's what God wants me to think, right? What does it mean to humbly accept the word planted in me which can save me? Which is going to produce the kind of fruit in our lives? That anger beneath the surface that's just, it's literally just creating filth everywhere. Or, or his word planted in us. One more example. What, what about for you? Maybe today life has been hard. It's been hard. There's circumstances that have not really worked out for you the way that you wanted, the way that you dreamed, the way that you hoped. Maybe there's some, some ways you've messed up, but maybe not. Maybe many of the the circumstances around you are outside of your control, and you're looking around at your life today, and you're just disappointed. You would never admit that out loud, but but the posture, your, your heart is you're just disappointed. And maybe beneath the surface, you're you're angry. You're angry at God. God, how 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 could you do this to me? I loved you, and I've been faithful, and I'm not perfect, but I but I'm seeking you, and then but but look at this person that we prayed for healing and, and you didn't heal them. Look at this job that I really wanted and I didn't get. Look at my kids that I, I loved. I tried to do everything and now they're, they're kind of going off their own direction. And, and beneath the surface, you didn't come in today saying, I'm so angry at God, but it's right there beneath the surface, this, this anger. And you and your heart could even say it's justifiable. Look at all the reasons today, God, that I'm angry at you. Well, what... What fruit is that producing today in your life? I know it's painful. I know it's hard. But I think if we step back and we look at the, the, wake, that that, the wake of destruction, the wake of filth, that, that, that anger, if we allow it to just exist there beneath the surface, it's just creating filth in our lives. And what does it mean in that situation? To hit pause for a minute, to humble ourselves enough to accept his word planted within us, which can save us. You know, Jesus himself got angry. We we know that. We see that in Scripture. We're not going to focus on that a lot today. But he got angry when the temple, the place of worship, was being misused. He got angry at religious leaders' total lack of compassion. They were so fixated on the letter of the law that they couldn't even see the heart behind the law. But Jesus said some things about anger today that should get our attention. I just want to turn us there briefly. Because we know when we're reading James, we're reading Jesus, because this is his brother. And so often, James is pointing us right back there. And so I think as James wrote these words, he was thinking about Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 5. This is what Jesus said. Jesus said, you've heard it said. You've heard it said to the people long ago, you shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. Of course, what is Jesus doing here? He's referring to the Old Testament Torah. He's, he's referring to, to the laws. And any of those listening to him as he was speaking were familiar with that. They would be nodding. Yeah, sure. But Jesus says, verse 22, I tell you, anyone who is angry. That's the same root word we find in James. It's this human anger, right? This, this rage beneath the surface that, that's, that's uh, controlling our lives. Jesus says anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, Anyone who says to a brother or sister, raka, that's, that's an Arabic term for, for fool or idiot or empty head. That's a new one for some of you. Like next time you get frustrated, you're going to be like, empty head, right, raka. But that's what he's saying. Literally, I tell you uh, th- th- that anyone who says to his brother or sister, raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Look for a minute here. The law said, The law said you shall not murder, but Jesus said you shall not want to murder. You see that? See how he's he's taking the law and challenging them even further. There's no way around it. In, In Matthew 5, Jesus is equating anger, this uncontrollable anger that we allow to exist beneath the surface. He's equating that with murder. These words, as they were spoken, would have been shocking to those that were listening. Shocking. Verse 23, therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar, if you're worshiping, right? that's That was their participation in worship. If you're offering your gift at the altar and you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them and then come and offer your gift. Not only does Jesus agree with James about the dangers of anger, he really takes it a step further. Jesus says you can't You really can't worship until you settle those matters. That anger there beneath the surface that you have towards your brother or sister. Your uncontrolled anger. It's not just an obstacle in your relationships with one another. It's an obstacle in your relationship with God. That's what Jesus is saying. Even if you feel like that anger is justified. Because remember, it's likely those to whom James is writing feel very justified in their anger. Even then. Even then, I, I wonder how many of us today you're frustrated in your relationship with God. You feel like God's not speaking. You don't feel you feel distant from Him, and that feeling is a. But you get what I'm saying. You just you're praying and nothing's happening. You're worshiping and you just feel like I, I wonder today. Is, the, is there unconfessed anger in our hearts that's creating that tension, that distance? It's not that God doesn't love us. It's not that He doesn't see you, but according to Jesus. If that anger is there, even beneath the surface, he, he says, before you come and worship, go, go make things right. Go make things right because that anger impacts not just with our relationship with each other, but also with him. So who are you angry <laughs> with right now? Maybe it's justified. Maybe you would say it's justified. Maybe there are so many reasons they deserve your anger. Maybe you would say, well, I haven't hurt them. I haven't mistreated them. But, but, but you've allowed this anger to exist beneath the surface. Maybe it seems harmless to you. I mean, it's not hurting anyone. They don't know I feel that way. I haven't told anybody. But, but you know in your heart it's, it's there, bubbling up beneath the surface. Well, how, how, how are you allowing that anger to take root? I think that's a really important question. That's really the context of James 1 where it says that we humbly what, accept the word planted in us. And so it's this imagery of, of the word planted in us. And some of us have allowed anger instead to be planted within us. So how today are you allowing that anger? We all get angry, right? We all have that moment of frustration and anger. But how are you allowing that anger to take root in you, to be planted within you? I, I have a, a response today in light of James, something I'd like t- uh, to carry I've got to be honest, all weekend I was processing this and thinking this and, and this is the truth for us. I think it's this. Surrender your anger. Don't surrender to it. What do we do with that? What do we do with those emotions and feelings that we've all been there? Maybe we all resonate today. What do we do with that? Do we just leave the room feeling kind of hopeless? Oh, I guess we're all going to be angry. We're all going No. Today. Surrender. Surrender that anger. Don't Surrender to it. Don't hold on to it. Don't suppress it. Don't allow it to exist beneath the surface. Don't justify it or explain it away. Don't allow your anger to produce filth in your life, rotten fruit. Don't allow your anger to be an obstacle between you and God. Don't take a posture of pride, what James says, humbly, with humility. Right. You you don't pet a rattlesnake. You don't pick up a mountain lion. So, So don't entertain your anger. Don't allow it to exist or hang out beneath the surface. Instead, surrender it. Surrendering your anger doesn't mean, it doesn't mean you ignore the pain of your past. If someone's hurt you, it doesn't mean that what they did was okay, right? That's not what we're talking about today. But this is what it is. Surrendering your anger simply says this. This is so important. God, I trust you. And God, I need you. I I wonder when, when's the last time you... You've said that out loud to the Lord. I'm not going to ask you to do it now, but literally, I I was driving down the road this week, and and I was feeling kind of convicted by these words, and I I felt like the Lord prompted me to, to say out loud, God, I trust you. God, I need you. So today, would you have the courage to surrender your anger? Don't surrender to it. Would you stand? I I want to pray today. I want to pray for you. I want to pray that you would have a posture today of humility, a posture that says, Lord, I want to to accept your word planted in me, not the anger, the resentment of my past. And so as you're standing today, uh, maybe you would sense in your heart a fresh desire for surrender, a fresh desire to say, Lord, I trust you and Lord, I need you right now in the circumstance and the emotion with the pain of my past. I surrender. I don't surrender to it. I surrender it to you. And if that's you right now, would you pray this with me? God, we trust you and we need you. We trust you with the pain of our past. We trust you with all of the emotions that we process as we think about the circumstance or that relationship or or the things that have not gone the way we wanted to in our response and our humanness is we're angry about it today. We're angry. We surrender that to you. And in doing so, what we're saying is, Lord, I trust you. We're humbling ourselves enough to admit I can't be God of my own life. I don't understand, but I trust you. And, and at the same time, we're saying, oh, I need you. I can't do this on my own. I can't I can't on my own produce the kind of righteousness, God, that you want. And if I allow this to hang out in my life any longer, it's just, it's just going to produce filth. So, Lord, today, I trust you. Lord, today, I need you. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at for any questions about our church. When you're done listening, please subscribe to this channel for the latest updates and new episodes.